Well, if you want to continue standing wherever you are uh, for the reading of our preaching passage, we're looking at the book of Habakkuk this morning, and you'll find that book five books back from the end of the Old Testament. And today we're looking at chapter 1, verse 12, all the way to chapter 2, verse 20. So please keep your Bibles open as we read from the book of Habakkuk, chapter 1, starting in verse 12. Are you not from everlasting, O Lord my God, my Holy One? We shall not die. O Lord, you have ordained them as a judgment, and you, O rock, have established them for reproof. You who are of purer eyes than to see evil and cannot look at wrong, why do you idly look at traitors and remain silent when the wicked swallows up the man more righteous than he? You make mankind like the fish of the sea, like crawling things that have no ruler. He brings all of them up with a hook. He drags them out with his net. He gathers them in his dragnet. So he rejoices and is glad. Therefore, he sacrifices to his net and makes offerings to his dragnet, for by them he lives in luxury and his food is rich. Is he then to keep on emptying his net and mercilessly killing nations forever? I will take my stand and my watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. And the Lord answered me, Write the vision. Make it plain on tablets, so he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end, it will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come, it will not delay. Behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him, but the righteous shall live by his faith. Moreover, wine is a traitor, an arrogant man who is never at rest. His greed is as wide as Sheol. Like death, he is never enough. He gathers for himself all nations and collects as his own all peoples. Shall now all these take up their taunt against him with scoffing and riddles for him and say, Woe to him who heaps up what is not his own, for how long, and loads himself with pledges. Will not your debtors suddenly arise and those awake who will make you tremble? Then you will be spoiled for them. Because you have plundered many nations, all the remnant of the people shall plunder you. For the blood of man and violence to the earth, to cities and all who dwell in them. Woe to him who gets evil gain for his house, to set his nest on high, to be safe from the reach of harm. You have devised shame for your house by cutting off many peoples. You have forfeited your life. For the stone will cry out from the wall and the beam from the woodwork respond. Woe to him who builds a town with blood and founds a city on iniquity. Behold, is it not from the Lord of hosts that peoples labor merely for fire and nations weary themselves for nothing? For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Woe to him who makes his neighbors drink. You pour out your wrath and make them drunk in order to gaze at their nakedness. You will have your fill of shame instead of glory. Drink yourself and show your uncircumcision. The cup is in the Lord's right hand, and it will come around to you, and utter shame will come upon your glory. The violence done to Lebanon will overwhelm you, as will the destruction of the beast that terrified them. For the blood of man and violence to the earth, to cities and all who dwell in them. What profit is an idol when its maker has shaped it, a metal image, a teacher of lies? For its maker trusts in his own creation when he makes speechless idols. 
Woe to him who says to a wooden thing, Awake, or to a silent stone, Arise. Can this teach? Behold, it is overlaid with gold and silver, and there is no breath at all in it. But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. This is God's word. Amen. The prophet Habakkuk has questions. And we looked at his first question uh, last week. And now we come to the second of his uh, two questions in this book, uh, Habakkuk. And the question begins in verse 12. He says this, Are you not from everlasting, O Lord my God, my Holy One? What a great way to begin. He begins by reminding himself who God really is. You know, when we pray, we need to start with a recognition of who God truly is. He's, he's the everlasting one. He's the Lord, my God. He's my holy one. Jesus taught his disciples uh, the same thing in the famous uh, Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. When we begin, we need to begin not with our great shopping list of questions, all the things that we want, all the concerns of my heart. We can get to the concerns of my heart, the questions that Habakkuk has about justice, and maybe you have too. But he begins by acknowledging that God is the Holy One, And as Jesus taught us, our Father in heaven, hallowed, holy is your name. That's where he starts. And then he proclaims a great truth. Again, verse 12, we shall not die. What Habakkuk is saying there is because God is the covenant God of his people, then his people will not perish. There is an eternal hope for his people. They shall not die. Again, Jesus Uh, taught the same thing in the New Testament. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We shall not die. There is an eternal hope for us, a constant, never-ending security and certainty for the church, for God's people. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and life. Whoever believes in me shall never die. There is a life to come that we can have now if we put our trust in Jesus that will last for all eternity. And Habakkuk reminds himself of this great truth of the covenant God. We, God's people, we shall not die. And then he reminds, uh, he says again, the question, the first question that he had, this, and, and then God's answer to it. O oh Lord, you have ordained them as a judgment, oh, oh, and you, O oh rock, have established them for a proof. This was God's answer. Habakkuk, you may remember, had said, Lord, why aren't you doing anything about justice? And God had said, I'm going to raise up the Babylonians, that evil military power, and through them I will bring about justice. And so he is uh, summarizing the answers to that question. O Lord, you have ordained them, that is the Babylonians, as judgment, that is for justice, the same word, and your rock have established them for a proof to correct. That's the answer that God gave him. But Habakkuk has a follow-up question. 
there's a conflict in that answer in his mind, theologically, in the way he thinks. So from verses 13 to 17, he outlines that conflict. You, that is God, who are of purer eyes than to see evil and cannot look at wrong, why do you either look at traitors, uh, these Babylonian uh, evil, this Babylonian evil empire, and remain silent when the wicked swallows up the man more righteous than he? The, the Babylonians were notorious for their viciousness. What are you doing, God? You are the Holy One. How can you use evil things for your justice? And then he uh, describes what's going on uh, in a highly poetic but still real way. Verse 14, you've made mankind like the fish of the sea, like crawling things that have no ruler. They're just fish in the ocean being caught. He, that is the king, verse 15, the king of the Babylonians, brings all of them up with a hook. Uh, the Babylonian Empire, when they captured people, had the habit of uh, leading those captives literally by a, a hook in the nose. The, the, these people are like fish that have been caught by the Babylonians then led off to captivity with hooks in their nose, just like, just like fish. He, the Babylonian king, gathers them in his net. And what is more, he, he, he's having a great time. Oh Lord, he's, he's not sad about the evil he's doing. He's rejoicing. He's glad. How can this be? And he even sacrifices to his net. Uh, that is, uh, the real worship of his heart is this military power, this vicious um, uh, conquest in which he's constantly involved. That's how he uh, lives in luxury. And he keeps on doing it. Is, is, is he the Babylonian king then, verse 17, to keep on emptying his net, to doing it over and over again, more and more fish, more and more people? More, more conquest? Are you just going to keep on using this evil empire to bring about judgment? How can that be just, Lord? And so that's his question. It's a question that perhaps you have yourself. How is it that a good and just God can allow evil and suffering to take place in this world? That's Habakkuk's question. But notice how he begins to get the answer. Chapter 2, verse 1. I will take my stand at my watchpost and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he, that is God, will say to me. See what Habakkuk's doing? He's going to the tower, the watchpost. He's going to a quiet place. He's going to that room where he can get on his knees and seek God. He's going for a walk in the woods to pray. He's seeking God. You know, Habakkuk, when he has a question, doesn't go to Google. He goes to God. It's a great tendency, I think, today, because we live in this information age, to assume that information is the same as wisdom or insight. You can Google answers to all sorts of questions, but that's different from hearing from God. 
What Habakkuk does is a model for us. When you have a question, ask it of God. Go to him and wait for the answer. Seek him. Don't go after this teacher, this celebrity, pastor, this name or the other. You're just going to get more and more confused. This guy says that. The other guy says, no, this is the answer. The third guy says, this is the way. All this celebrity teachers out there, they're just going to leave you confused. No, go to the tower. Station yourself at the watch post. Turn to God's word and seek the answer. That's what Habakkuk does. I'll find what he says to me. I'll see what he will say to me. And what I will answer concerning my complaint. The word there for complaint is uh, literally a, a reproof or a rebuke or an argument. Could be that what uh, Habakkuk is saying is this conflict between a good God and the evil that is taking place in this world, that God is even using the evil Babylonians for bringing about justice, this conflict that he feels. If that is indeed the, uh, the, the end of the matter, then it's a rebuke, a reproof, to a holy God. Or he could be saying, I have this argument, God. This seems logical to me. You are good, and yet there is evil that you're using for good. Those two do not connect. Help me understand differently. So that's his question. And he goes to God, and he asks it. And many of us have a similar question today. Why is there suffering? Why is there evil? Why is this happening to me? What are you doing? Holy God. Are you not from everlasting, O Lord my God, my holy one? What are you up to? Well, God has an answer. And it begins in in verse 2 of chapter 2. And the Lord answered me, write the vision God's prophets were told to write down God's word. So the vision that was given to Habakkuk is recorded for us so we can read it in the Bible. The Bible is the sole authority that we need. The scriptures have been inspired by God, breathed out by him. And God told Habakkuk to write it down so you and I might might have it in front of us. Write the vision. Make it plain on tablets. In other words, every preacher, every prophet, every teacher, every preacher, every Bible study leader, every children's Sunday school teacher, every Bible teacher, their task is to make it plain. Not rhetorical fireworks. Not fancy this, that, and the other. But crystal clear. Plain. So you cannot miss it. Make it plain on tablets. So he may run who reads it. That could mean a couple of different things. One thing it could mean is that even if someone is running past even if they only give a cursory, brief moment of attention to what Habakkuk is writing and speaking. It's going to be so plain that even then they'll be able to read it. 
You know, sometimes people are against uh, churches putting advertising up on billboards and highways. No, I think it should be as large and plain and visible as possible. Make it plain. So even when you drive by on the highway, they can see it. Four, verse three. Why is it so important to make it so obvious? Because it's going gonna, it's gonna to require waiting and patience. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. God knows when it's going to happen, but it's going to seem like it's delayed to Habakkuk. It happens, it hastens to the end. It, it, it will happen, it won't lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It won't delay. It's God's appointed time. But from a human point of view, there's going to be some waiting. So we've got to have it clear and plain so we can hold on. And then we come to verse four, which is the, the core of God's answer. And one of the most famous verses in the Bible, quoted in the New Testament, a key important moments of gospel teaching. And it's the core of this, uh, this, this whole book and the central point of, of uh, God's answer to Habakkuk. Verse four, behold, there are two parts to it. Behold, his soul, that is the king of the Babylonians and the Babylonian empire, therefore, his soul is puffed up it's overinflated. He's arrogant. His soul is, is puffed up. It's arrogant. It's not upright within him. He's doing evil and he, he intends. It's a motivational thing too. He intends to do evil. But on the other side, but the righteous shall live by his faith. And those two elements, the the, the, the soul that is not upright and the righteous shall live by faith and then furthered and outlined throughout the rest of the chapter. The righteous shall live by his faith. That word faith does not mean make a decision. It does not mean believe that God exists the same word is uh, used in uh, Exodus chapter 17 when uh, Moses there is uh, struggling to hold his hands up in prayer as Joshua is fighting the battle down below. And uh, two people come along and help Moses hold his arms up. And the Bible says then his hands were steady. Same word, steady. Or in uh, Isaiah chapter uh, 33, uh, God his, himself is said to be the stability of your times. Same word, stability, steady, stable. Or in Deuteronomy chapter 32, God is said to be upright and just, Good and faithful, just and faithful is he. Faithful, same word. The righteous shall live by his commitment, his steady resolve, his faithfulness, his stable commitment to God. That's how you live. That's how you live 
forever. That's how you're saved, by committing to God's promises. Despite the circumstances all around you, you commit to those promises. The just, the righteous shall live by faith. I'm going to trust you, God. I'm going to commit my life to you. And this has hugely practical ramifications. And they're outlined then throughout the rest of this chapter. He says in verse 5, now talking about, remember the two sides to it? His soul is puffed up. It's not upright within him, but the righteous shall live by faith. Now outlining the soul that's puffed up, that's not upright. Moreover, wine is a traitor, an arrogant man who's never at rest. His greed is as wide as shale, that is the, the grave. He, like death, he has never enough. He gathers for himself all nations and collects as his own all peoples. This soul that's not upright, it wants more and more and more. But that's not the path to happiness. Happiness does not come by more and more acquisition. If you're not happy with what you have, you will not be happy with what you want. The secret of happiness is contentment, not acquisition. But this soul that's not upright is, is, is betrayed by wine, greedy, never content, restless. And then um, God pronounces five woes on the, the Babylonians that are interspersed with the results for those who instead the righteous shall live by faith. And those woes are going to be like a taunt, a uh, scoffing verse verse 6 riddles or proverbs for him there's, there's going to be a kind of laughing joking sneering set of woes scoffing woe to him who heaps up what is not his own for how long and loads himself with pledges that is woe to the person who grabs from other people builds up huge financial reserves lends to others so they're indebted to him manipulates uses money to control in an evil way, what's going to happen? Well, we live in a moral universe. And so this woe, because, because you've plundered many nations, all the remnants of the people shall plunder you for the blood of man and violence to the earth, to cities and all who dwell in him. And verse 7, will not your debtors suddenly arise? There's a, it's going to turn around on you. Woe. The second one, woe to him who gets evil gain for his house to set his nest on high, to be safe from the reach of harm. The, the person who buys a, a, a big house, makes it even bigger, builds this huge muck mansion and does it trampling down the feet, trampling down under his feet the, the impoverished, the, 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 the vulnerable all around him. We live in a moral universe. You devise shame for your house. The stone will cry out from the wall and the beam from the woodwork respond. The whole thing is corrupt. And then third woe. Woe to him who builds a town with blood and founds a city on iniquity. We've, we've seen that a lot, haven't we? People who get elected to high positions and mayors of cities who seem to be doing so well and they're in control of everything and then suddenly it's all gone. Because they build it on iniquity, on sin. Behold, it's verse 13. It's not from the Lord of hosts that people labor merely for fire and nations 
weary themselves for nothing. That hard work, endless drive for nothing, for no purpose, no meaning, no satisfaction. But then the righteous shall live by faith. What, What will happen to those people? Look at verse 14. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Those who have that message, who believe that message, who then take it throughout the whole world, making disciples of all nations, one day the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And then God has two more woes to Habakkuk, which are very similar to the first three, perhaps to emphasize and underline the point. Verse 15, woe to him who makes his neighbors drink. So they're not only drinking and getting drunk, they're forcing other people to get drunk as well. Come out with us and party. You don't want to? Oh, well, then you're, you're on the outside. You can't really be on the inside track for your career. You've, you've got to join with us. I have another drink, another three. Come on. And they put this huge peer pressure on them to get them drunk and make them look ridiculous as they're naked on the street or crashed out of some couch somewhere. Drink, drink, drink. But for those who do that, there'll be another drink. God says to Habakkuk, the cup in the Lord's right hand, that's the cup of God's wrath. An utter shame will come upon your glory. But it's, it's not only sort of drunkenness, it's, it's also the, the, the ruin and devastation of nature and creation. Verse 17, the violence done to Lebanon will overwhelm you. The, the Babylonians, when they conquered Israel, they, they went to Lebanon and, and exported the famous cedars of Lebanon. They cut down forests, they ruined that, that area. They hunted the destruction of the beasts. They hunted them to, to almost devastation. The, the, the creation care was not on their agenda. For the blood of man and violence to the earth. God cares about his creation. And what's behind all this? You ask. It's idolatry. Verse 18. What prophet is an idol? When his maker has shaped it, a metal image, a teacher of lies. For his maker trusts in his own creation, not God's creation, his own creation. When he makes speechless idols. Woe to him who says to a wooden thing, awake, to a silent stone, arise. Can this teach? Behind all this is idolatry. People have different idols. Some people's idol is their own body. Another person's idol is their car. Another person's idol is their house. Another person's idol is their career. What you speak to in prayer, arise. Woe to him who says to a wooden thing, awake. That's your idol. But... The righteous shall live by faith. The knowledge of the glory of the Lord shall fill the earth as the waters cover the sea. But the Lord is in his holy temple. 
Let all the earth keep silence before him. God is sovereign. His ways are not our ways. He has a plan for his glory to go throughout the whole earth. Through this message of the righteous shall live by faith. Be silent. Worship him. You know, Billy Graham tells a story. I may not get all the details exactly right. I think it comes from his autobiography, Just As I Am, which I read many years ago now, but very carefully at the time. So I'm pretty sure I've got the, the main thrust of it right, if not every, every detail. Billy Graham tells a story one time that uh, he and his wife Ruth were uh, on, the, on the islands, in the, uh, uh, the Caribbean islands, doing some ministry there. And uh, he received an invitation to go visit a very wealthy man. And so he went, climbed up high, got to this huge mansion. So many bedrooms, you, you couldn't count. So many garages, looking out over the Caribbean Sea with its beautiful sun-crested waves, sitting on the veranda there together. The man said to Billy, you know, I don't just have a boat. I have several, several boats. You know, I, I don't just have a seaplane. I have, I have several of them. I have helicopters. And this man told Billy all about his extraordinary wealth. And then he said to him, but you know, I am the most miserable man on the face of this planet. Billy Graham received another invitation that same day. He went down from the high, wealthy mansion, visited a, a poor pastor in a little house on a crowded street. And he and Ruth sat down with the pastor and his wife at a small table, the ceiling fan going around over them. And Billy said afterwards to his wife, after he met with this poor pastor, you know, I don't think I've ever met a happier man in the world. You have a choice. Will you be like the Babylonian empire, the king whose soul is not upright? Or will you be one of those for whom it is true that the righteous shall live by faith. Stability, steadfastness, loyalty to God. And be a part of this great movement that's ongoing where the, the glory of the Lord will fill the earth as the waters cover the sea. And therefore, in joyful silence, worship him. Oh, Lord God, I do pray that would be true for each and every one of us uh, this morning. I pray, Lord, that we would trust you, be loyal to you, 
stick with you. Be faithful to you. And we bow before you. In silence. And worship. Oh Lord, renew our faith this morning. That by faith, by commitment to you, will we be a part of this great movement of yours, filling the whole world with your glory? And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.